This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is indeed NBA Sound System Live. I am Carlin Gay. He is Scott Rafferty. And we are now two weeks into the season. It is the first episode of this very program, LIVE Live, across the NBA Global Networks in 2021. Scott, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. We are now two weeks into the NBA season, Scott. So it's it's time to overreact a little bit, right? Like this, it's time to just make definites about teams. We know exactly what they are and who they are going to be for the entire 72-game season. 100 percent you know what they say championships are won and lost within the first couple weeks of the season so that's what we got to yeah, do exactly that's that's why we're here right now on this episode uh, scott and i will talk about our contenders pretenders not so much using that really championship or bust mentality but maybe we'll say a little bit more of who's real who's not who's fool's goal who are we not really sure about uh we'll, we'll take some teams and, and kind of break them down that way uh, and, and also give you some of the big storylines that are happening that stuck out to us over the last two weeks. But let's start with uh, who's real, because it's always good to start the new year on a positive note. And there's teams in the NBA that have started in, in, on the right foot. And uh, Scott, you've looked at this Phoenix Suns team. You love the Phoenix. You, you, you were high on them coming into the season based off of what they did in the bubble. And then you were even higher on them when they added Chris Paul. I don't think there's much people out there, many listeners out there that would say, um, it wasn't going to work adding Chris Paul to his young, vibrant Phoenix Suns team. They're getting off to a hot start. By the time you're hearing this right now, they're 5-2. and two. And at the top of the Western Conference, are you a believer? Oh, now I am. Um, I, I will say, yeah, I was optimistic about this team coming into the season. Um, like you said, that run in the bubble plus adding Chris Paul to this team. I just thought it was going to work on both ends of the court, and I thought they'd be a pretty safe lock to make the playoffs in the Western Conference, which would be a huge achievement for them given you know how long they haven't made the playoffs um, and everything like that and how young this team is. But I mean, right now, they're, they're, I think they're tied with the Clippers for the best record in the Western Conference. They have the fourth best net rating in the league. They're 12th ranked on de- on offense, third on defense. Obviously, you don't want to put too much stock in those numbers because we're working with a two-week sample size here, and these things can change by the game at this point. Um, but this team kind of looks like you know a monster on both ends of the court. And this is without... Chris Paul, to me, is kind of in cruise control right now. Like, he's averaging basically career lows across the board. And I don't think that's um, a reflection on the player that he is at this stage of his career. I think he's just kind of easing his way into his new role with his new team. Um, And it is a new role than the one he had in OKC last season. Um, Devin Booker hasn't even, you know, really popped by his standards yet, but he's been great. Um, he's turning the ball over a ton, and I think that's something that will be worked out in the, the weeks to come. And DeAndre Ayton got off to a bit of a slow start this season, but it, it looks like the last couple games that he's kind of rounding the corner. Um, and, and I think those three are just a very natural fit together. And the, the difference between this team being like a six or seven seed and potentially fighting for home court advantage in the Western Conference is that one, Mikel Bridges looks like he's the front runner for most improved at this point. Um, he's basically doubled the amount of attempts that he's taking from three, converting them at high percentage, and he's proving to be kind of this versatile, long wing defender that every team in the league wants. 
Um, and also to add to that, that bench has been dynamite. I think that's been the biggest surprise to me. Uh, Cameron Payne is a guy who, when he first came into the NBA, people were, you know, optimistic about him, about the player that he could become, um, kind of riding that Damian Lillard um, high uh, from the draft a couple years ago, I think it was. And he hasn't lived up to that potential, but he's off to a great start in Phoenix. This might kind of be the perfect situation for him. And Cameron Johnson, who they selected in the 2019 NBA draft, he's been shooting the lights out. Um, and the nice thing about it is they can basically have Chris Paul and Devin Booker on the court. Oh, sorry, Chris Paul or Devin Booker on the court at all times and surround them with, you know, high IQ players, three-point shooters and everything like that. Um, so I, I just love everything about the Suns. I, if anyone's selling their stock on them, I, I'm buying it right now. Yeah, they, the last time they made the uh, the playoffs was in uh, 2010, and they went all the way to the Western Conference Finals with that team. That, of course, is the uh, Steve Nash years. It's a long time ago. Steve Nash is now coach in the NBA. Uh, Steve Kerr was it was the uh, it was in the front office there with Phoenix. Now he's a coach and has multiple championship rings on his finger from uh, his coaching time. And uh, Alvin Gentry was actually that coach for that team. They lost to the Lakers, who eventually went on to win the championship in the conference finals. So um, that was the last time the Phoenix Suns made the playoffs. I don't know that this team's going to make the conference finals, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went on a deep run in the playoffs and got there. Uh, I mean, we're coming off a season where we watched, you know, the, the Denver Nuggets do that uh, just a season ago. So it's not going to shock me if I see them get past either the Clippers or one of those teams, uh, not named the Lakers, to get to the finals or the conference finals. That is. Um, so I think for them, I'm with you. I, I, I do believe in this team. I do believe that they're a good team. I thought that they would be on the bottom half of the Western Conference. I do think there is a legit chance that this team is going to end up in the top four, and I think that's important for them. I think as long as you can avoid the Lakers or try to avoid the Lakers as long as you can in the playoffs, uh, that will give them the best run at it and, and, and getting deep back to the conference finals like they had in, in 2010. Yeah, it'd be huge for them. Um, and like I said, you know, Chris Paul is at kind of the, the tail end of his career. But Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are still so young. So is Mikel Bridges. And getting that playoff experience for them, kind of building for that future, um, would be huge for them. So, so yeah, I don't know if this team is going to... They're probably not going to make the finals. They might not even make the Western Conference finals. Um, but this team is legit. Like, I, I do think they're going to give any team they face in the playoffs tough a run for their money um, just because they can play at such a high level on both ends of the court. And, and they're just a fun team to watch to me. Like, like, like they're one of the teams that when I'm flicking around league pass on uh, at a night um, and it's the third quarter or fourth quarter of the game and I see the Suns are playing, like I, I'm watching that game um, just because the way that Devin Booker plays, the way that Chris Paul plays and the way that he manipulates teams, even if he's not, you know, putting up 20 and 10 and things like that. Um, this is just a good team. I, I, I really do think they're legit. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, playoff drought should snap in Phoenix, and Chris Paul is doing a, a phenomenal job of getting that team ready for that next step. Um, I do want to see a little bit more out of Aiden. I know the last two games he has played well. Um, it seems to me like he's trying to figure out his new role now with you know Chris Paul mm -hmm. there and, and with Bridges stepping up and, and even Jay Crowder being there. Uh, I think he, he, he hasn't really truly figured out where he can find his offense but the last two games he's been better so it's going to be you know without a training camp it's going to take some of these teams some time to gel uh my team that i am uh counting in on or, or buying stock on is the indiana pacers scott i don't think there's a lot of team or a lot of people out there that would have went out of their way to say that the indiana pacers would still be one of the top four or five teams in the eastern conference i think people were expecting a downturn from this team but people forget that this team was pretty banged up all of last year. 
and and that kind of was a little bit of a, you know a blessing in disguise for them in the sense that they were able to find out how good T.J. Warren is. Uh, they were able to find themselves. Uh, you know, uh, Jeremy Lamb, who, who stepped up and, and played well for them at, at times. Both those guys I named are, are not playing right now, uh, but they do have Malcolm Brogdon. They do have some semblance of the all-star Victor Oladipo. They still have an all-star in, in uh, Sabonis. And, and Miles Turner is playing great defense protecting the rim. They have uh, a starting five that you would go, you could put up against uh, many starting fives around the NBA, and, and they're playing together. Everybody seems to know their role. And I think it, it, the, the key here is the fact that Malcolm Brogdon is healthy and he looks comfortable on the court being the leader of this team. I know Oladipo, you know, this team's peak will be if Oladipo can ever get back to being what he was at one time um, two or three years ago. I don't think that will ever happen again, but I do think that he can close games for them. And if he is, or, or he loves those spotlight moments, and if he if he can show up in those moments, this team will be very dangerous in the regular season and possibly get to, you know past the second round of the postseason. The, the key for them is going to be health, because yeah, Malcolm Brogdon is, is great, and he's going off to a really hot start this season. But the book on him is that he just gets injured every season and he misses, you know, 10, 15, 20 games with something. Um, as you said, TJ Warren is going to miss an extended period of the regular season after going undergoing foot surgery. And it's a bonus miss time at the end of last season um, with a foot injury, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So if, if this team can stay healthy, yeah, I mean, that they, I still have, I think I still have questions about the Miles Turner Sabonis pairing in the front court um, just because it's not the most natural pairing. But in saying that, like Brogdon is such a good player that he can kind of uh, make up for some of those uh, the, the the weirdness between that um, Oladipo maybe not returning to the player that he once was, but getting back to that kind of All Star caliber player would be huge for them. Um, and he's had a couple good games lately, looking more like that player, um, which is a step in the right direction for them. And Nate Bjorken, um, their new coach, I, I think I might have butchered his last name there, but uh, he's he's putting some good some interesting stuff in their offense. Um, which would be key for them because they've kind of been a defensive team the last few years. But if he can unlock their potential offensively, um, that that would just kind of take this team to another level. But it, it is crazy to think that this Pacers team, I, I can't remember what the streak is, but it seems like they just make the playoffs every single year, but they get slept on. People forget about them. People count them out. Um, and they're, they're just always right there. Um, it's a testament to kind of the players that they picked up. Obviously, that trade for Paul George, it looked weird at the time, getting Sabonis and Victor Oladipo in return for him, but it was huge for them. And it kind of helped them reset and put them in the right direction. Um, and here they are now, you know, back in the, the top five, top six of the Eastern Conference um, with an opportunity to potentially do something this season. Yeah, they've only missed the playoffs once since 2011. Uh, That's what and, it is. You know, you That's go impressive. Through, it's pretty impressive. You go through the coaches that they've had. They've had some solid coaches. Frank Vogel, who's now a championship coach in L.A. Nate McMillan got them to the playoffs every year he was there, but just wasn't able to get them past the first round. So as you said, they, they have a, a tradition of getting to the postseason. So... Um, you know, sleeping on them isn't, you know, uh, something that people should do. This is a a very talented team that knows how to get it done. The one thing that I would say that Coach Bjorgren has done and, and, uh, and changed a little bit and something to keep an eye on is he's encouraged uh, Sabonis to shoot more three-pointers. Um, Sabonis mm-hmm. only took 67 three-pointers last season. He's already shot 17. 
in in seven games. Uh, he he's going to eclipse that mark easily. Of course, he's shooting it out of his mind right now. He's knocking down fifty two percent. We don't expect that to continue, but just doing that will allow Miles Turner to play a little bit more inside and vice versa. Miles Turner, we saw last year, he 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 tried to take more threes to free up the inside for Sabonis. Miles Turner's not a shooter. I, I think Sabonis is probably the better choice there. You just have to allow him to do that, and it seems as though right now, anyway. When all five of those players are able to stretch the floor, um, you know we, we, we start to see a, a smooth offense for the Pacers, and they're still trying to figure things out. It, it's going to be a process. They're going to they're going to get better than what they already are. Um, they had a fluky win against the Pelicans, you know, in their last outing. The Pelicans kind of gave that game to them. They should have lost that game. Uh, but when you look at this team, never giving up. First of all, the ability to play defense. I think all five guys mm-hmm. can really lock in. Um, that's the one thing that uh, Oladipo, he was a good defender before he exploded. He was an old defensive good, guy. Yeah, before he exploded into being a, a you know a, an all-star caliber guy, he was a really good defender, and now he, he's getting back to that. So the Pacers can defend, and then offensively, you have to guard all five positions because all those guys can shoot. So they're going to be a tough outcome playoff time, and they're going to win a lot of games based off of those two things. I mean, it's easy to forget that the Oladipo was all defensive first team in 2018 before he right. got that injury. Um, so yeah, he, he was an elite defender before his injury. Uh, the, the thing on Sabonis' three-point shooting, that it's one of my favorite, um, my favorite developments, really, a player developments over the last few years. Because when he first came in the NBA, remember, he was on that OKC team um, with Russell Westbrook. And his job was to space the floor as a power forward. He was a stretch four. Mm-hmm. And 33% of his field goal attempts that season came from the three-point line. In his first three seasons with Indiana, so not including this season, that's fallen to 5.5%. So he's gone from a third of his shots being three-point attempts to 5.5%. Um, this season, it's it's up to 17, 17.5%. Like you said, he's shooting the lights out. I don't think he's ever going to get to the point again when he's taking a third of his shots from three because that's just not playing to. to his strengths. No, he doesn't. Right. Um, but if he can even just you know keep a defense honest, because yeah, he, he looks like he's he's taken them confidently. Um, I can't remember what game it was. I was watching them a couple nights ago, and he he nailed a couple. But it, it, there was no hesitation. Um, and over the last couple of seasons, he wasn't even putting himself in that kind of position. So that that that's another key development for them. You, you you're right in pointing that out. Yeah, they I really do like their offense. Uh, um, and it, it actually helps. I don't want to say it helps, but it has made transition a lot easier to learn a new system by not having to integrate Jeremy Lamb and TJ Warren yet. Uh, but eventually, once those guys come back healthy, if they do, um, you're not going to have seven guys that you could play at any time, maybe eight, you know, if you had Doug McDermott there and, and Justin Holiday, Those guys are going to need minutes to be able to perform. TJ Warren's a guy who could get it done in the mid-range. So they have a lot of weapons that they could go to. Maybe that means that they make a trade and you know give up some pieces to, to get a high-end talent to maybe go over the top. But uh, I do feel like some of those pieces might be redundant when they're fully healthy. I don't know how, how yeah. you feel about that. No, I, I'm with you. Um, and it's a conversation for a different day. But I've, I've already, um, I talked to, to Kyle Irving today on our NBA.com staff about um, the trade deadline this season, kind of getting ahead of that. And it, it's going to be fascinating because I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be a crazy trade, trade deadline, maybe like a couple years ago where we saw um, the Raptors acquire Mark Gasol and, and Philly acquired Tobias Harris just because I feel like there's going to be so many teams that can kind of talk themselves into being a piece away from competing or, you know, making a run to the conference finals. And you're right. Maybe, maybe the paces of that team, maybe, maybe this team hits February 
um, that they're playing better than anyone expected them to and they can kind of put together a package and get someone, whether it's an all-star or, or someone just a little below that level who can kind of take them to um, you know, solidify them as one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. So again, a conversation for a different day, but it, it's something to just monitor kind of moving forward. Yeah, and they're a team that's interested in that. I mean, let's not forget they tried to get Gordon Hayward in the offseason. That was very public knowledge for, for most people looking at this Pacer team. A reminder, now is the time to get NBA League Pass. We just talked about how fun it is to watch two teams that are uh, not big markets, but uh, they are exciting. The Phoenix Suns, Indiana Pacers, you want to be able to see them outside of those two cities. You got to get NBA League Pass. New and improved. And thanks to LeBron for tweeting out to even have it be improved even more. LeBron says something, the league jumps, and everything gets fixed. NBA League Pass, the app is great. I talked about it on this program as well. I'm enjoying the the new service, the new app, Uh, going back and watching games that I've been able to miss uh, the very next day. I don't stay up late for the West Coast games. I'm sorry, but I go back and watch the Golden State Warriors in the morning while I do wake up or the Utah Jazz or the Phoenix Suns, as Scott mentioned. So NBA League Pass, if you don't have it, now is the time to get it early on in the season. Take advantage of all the games that are happening in a very short 72-game season. All right, let's uh, let's jump to. We talked about some of the uh, teams that are, we'll say, good, solid teams, um, teams that we are confident in saying that they're going to be good this season. Um, I don't want to use the word pretender because it sounds a little bit dramatic, but that's the word I'm going to use. Who are some of the pretenders <laughs> in the NBA right now? Well, anyone who listened to us before the season started will not be surprised by my pick here. The answer for me is the Blazers. Look, offensively, this team can keep up with anyone. We know what Damian Lillard can do. He's arguably the best offensive player in the league. You said he was last season. I'm not quite at that level, but you can certainly make the case for it. And CJ CJ McCollum is playing out of his mind to start this season. And if he kind of can make that leap to an all-star level, um, that would be huge for them and just make them even more potent offensively. The problem with them is defensively. They were one of the worst defensive teams last season. I give them major props for the moves that they made in the offseason in getting um, Robert Covington and Derek Jones Jr. That was huge for them, getting one of the best help defenders in the league um, and also a, a long wing defender they can throw out a variety of different players that they're going to see if they want to make a deep playoff run. But I'm just skeptical that the two of them, plus a, hel- a healthy Yusuf Nurkic, can kind of turn them back into to even an average defensive team. Um, and right now, again, we're dealing with small sample sizes here, but they rank 28th in defensive efficiency through six games. Um, it's a little worrying. Uh, and, and to me, this team, even given how good they are offensively, um, and again, they are elite on that end of the court, it's really hard for me to see them competing with the teams like the Lakers, um, the Clippers, maybe even a team like the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs if they can't improve uh, defensively. Yeah, I'm... Uh... I was I was on the record saying I'm high on the Portland Trailblazers and I'm not off the bandwagon just yet. I do think that they're going to be a tough outcome the playoffs, but I will admit and I have admitted to you off air that I I was a little bit shocked and surprised that things haven't looked as smooth as I thought they would right out of the gate. Um, it's going to take time with that team, especially on the defensive end. And as you said, they and, and they're working they, a they new defensive scheme too. By the yeah. way, like like there's, yeah. there's reasons that their defense hasn't been as good as it can be. Um, again, new personnel, new defensive scheme and all that. But I'm just skeptical that they're going to be able to jump from like 28th to, to 14th or 15th even. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I am a little bit more optimistic that that could happen. Um, but if you want to be an elite team in this league, you know, 14th 
you know, a defensive efficiency is not going to get it done. You, you got to get into the top 10 at least uh, to have to be in the conversation. And I did think that Portland was going to be one of those teams that could be knocking on the door of the conference finals at least. And uh, defensively, they just look bad. Um, I'm in the same boat with you with a different team. Uh, I have the Denver Nuggets as, I guess, pretenders for lack of a better word right now. Uh, this is a team that I'm a little shocked by their start. Uh, you know, they had a great bubble, an incredible bubble, really inspiring bubble. They saved their coach's job, in my opinion. They came back from 3-1, back-to-back. They found out a lot about themselves and their team, it felt like. Uh, but then mm-hmm. they started the season, you know, very uninspiring. 2-4 and four right now. Outside of Murray and Jokic, um, we've seen maybe flashes of Michael Porter Jr. And then it's a drop-off. You know, Millsap has, has been okay. Um, but I do think that they're missing Jeremy Grant. Um, I, I do think that they're missing Tory Craig toughness every now and then. And they haven't been able to f- replace some of that. And I don't know where Gary Harris's three-point shot has gone, but it's it's gone. Completely gone. Um, he, he has not shot the ball well over the last year and a half. And he that is a big part to me of what will make them special this season is if Gary Harris is able to get back to the three-point shooter he once was because we know his defense is there. And he's probably the only good defender uh, on this team on the perimeter. But, but if he's not going to shoot the ball well, then it's going to be tough to, to leave him on the court for extended minutes. So I, I don't know where you sit on this Nuggets team. I know you're a little bit more optimistic about them because of you know the, the two guys that I mentioned, Jokic and Murray. But... I I have weird feelings about the fit between those two and Porter. Every time I feel like those three guys are on the court, it's it sort of turns into your turn, my turn stuff. And if your three best players can't play well together, that's not a recipe for success. I mean, you can kind of just copy and paste most of what I just said about the Blazers for the Nuggets because the Nuggets have been even better than the Blazers offensively this season, but they're one of the only two teams that are worse than the Blazers defensively. Um, and we've talked about this a couple weeks ago. I think that Jeremy Grant, um, him leaving them to go sign with the Pistons was a big loss for them because, look, Jeremy Grant is not Kawhi Leonard. He's not going to lock up anyone that, that's in front of him, but he's a super versatile guy. Like he, he spent time on Donovan Mitchell, LeBron James, Anthony Davis in last season's playoff run. Um, and just having a guy you can throw at those types of players, even if they're not just going to shut them down, is huge because now they really don't have anyone who can do those kind of things. And obviously, the Western Conference is just absolutely loaded with talent. Um, still, I, th- this team is just so good offensively, though. Like like Jamal Murray, I was a little bit skeptical of him going into the season um, after the run that he had, whether or not he could continue it. And he, he, he really struggled in their first game, but he's had back-to-back 30-point games now. He's looking more like that player that kind of looked like a, an all-star, or even a superstar in the bubble. And, and Jokic is averaging a triple-double. He, he's leading the league in assists. He's, he's on pace to break Wilt Chamberlain's record for the, the highest assist average in a single season by a center, which I think was like 8.5. Jokic is up to nearly 12. Um, th- this team is just so good offensively that I still think they're going to be one of the better teams in the Western Conference. And again, I think you can kind of mention this team as you know one to watch going into the trade deadline because they do have a ton of pieces and maybe this is the team that this is the time that they package a bunch of players to get a more um, defensive minded player to kind of tie everything together for them because offense is not the issue um, it looks like they might even be better offensively this season than they were last season but yeah if they can't kind of find that defensive stopper um, or just improve a little bit on that end of the court it's going to tough it's going to be tough for them to kind of match that run that they did last year 
Yeah, yeah. Their three best players aren't really known for their defense, so that's a, that's a scary thing. That's just a scary thing when you when you think about it that way. So uh, the Denver Nuggets, I I do have as pretenders. Not to say that they're not going to miss, they're going to miss the playoffs or anything like that. I just don't think that they're going to get back to the Western Conference Finals this season, and you know that that should be the bar for them even beyond that. Really, with uh, with how young and talented this team is. Uh, all right, some teams that we're not really sure about. We, we talked about the teams that we are sure that were who, who they're good. We're disappointed in their in, in their start and Nuggets and the Blazers. Who are you not sure about right now in the first two weeks of the NBA season? The the Brooklyn Nets are a big question mark for me. Um, okay, I, I was all right. I was really impressed as as everyone was their first couple games. Um, I mean, they looked like the best team in the league, and I think offensively, there's no doubt that this team has the firepower to kind of compete with anyone on a night-to-night basis. Because um, Kyrie Irving, we know what he's capable of, and Kevin Durant looks ninety percent, ninety-five percent of the player that he was beforehand, which is is super encouraging. Um, and in a game the other night, he tried to dunk on someone twice. Um, they, they lost that game, but to see him really drive to the basket and explode and look to put someone in the basket, um, that that was really encouraging <laughs> to me. So offensively, right. I have no questions about this team. They're, they're going to be dynamite. Um, the thing that I'm waiting to see is can they put it together defensively um, because they just they, they have guys who can defend, but they, they don't have someone who like, – like is Joe Harris their best perimeter defender, for example? And, right. and you've, you've said this before. Like Joe Harris can defend. Um, I think you, you were saying in the Olympics like – he, he was the guy who was guarding the opposing the team's best player for Team USA. Um, yeah, so, he so he can kind of do those things, but he's not, you know, an old defense caliber player. Um, and I wonder if they're going to need that at some point, um, you know, not, not only to make a run to the finals, but even to get out of the Eastern Conference. Because we saw it last year, like, Jay Crowder is not an all-NBA caliber. Def- oh, he's not an all-NBA defender, but he, he's super tough, um, a guy who can guard multiple positions. And that was crucial for the Miami Heat in, in, in beating the uh, Milwaukee Bucks in the second round and then outlasting the Celtics. So you, you, you do need defensive-minded players. And maybe, you know, Kevin Durant locks in a little bit more. Maybe Jared Allen takes a leap. Um, but I, I just have a few questions with them defensively. Um, and also that Spencer Dinwiddie, that, that injury is, is a big loss for them. They're fortunate that they have enough enough depth to kind of um, to, to make up for it throughout the regular season, I think. Um, but, but he's a guy who can guard multiple positions, can play off ball, on ball, give him a little bit of juice in, in both those perspectives. Um, so, so there's just a couple big question marks for me. Again, I, I think offensively they're the real deal. Um, Kevin Durant looks like... 90% of the play he was 95% which is huge for them but but defensively guys doing the dirty work things like that that that's kind of what I want to come want to see in the coming weeks and months yeah and and I think that was always going to be the identity with this team uh my feeling towards this team was hey you're going to have two top level offensive talent and then your head coach is known for being one of the great offensive players in the league at his in his time and I always knew the offense was going to be fine and no matter how much Steve Nash has said, you know, defensively is where he wants to really improve this team and everything else, and, and all they talked about in training camp and leading up to the season was defense, 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 I just knew in my heart that it would be a while before we saw how good this team could be defensively. And, that, and it's going to be Kevin Durant really kind of taking that mantle and saying, you know, leading by example, so to speak, and, and saying, you know what, 
I when I left, you know, before my injury, I was one of the best two-way players in the league. Not, you know, uh, I I got it done defensively as much as I did offensively. And you know, he, he can still be that guy. We we now see that he's healthy, so we don't have to worry about that. So it's up to him whether or not he wants to lock in. And I think the rest of the team will follow. Jared Allen is a big one. I, I think Jared Allen has a potential to be a really good defender. It's weird to me that he doesn't, you know, just get put in the starting lineup. I don't know what they're doing at DeAndre Jordan and, uh, you, know, you know, why mixing matching there. I get it. But come on. At some point, we're going to have to lock in and say, listen, this is Jared Allen's spot. DeAndre, you, you mentor him. You know, you, you get him ready for that position. doesn't have to be right now. But, uh, you know, once we get past the regular season and it's winning time, Jared Allen's going to have to take the bulk of those minutes. And hopefully, uh, you know, the, the, the coaching staff really makes that clear because, that is going to hold them back if they're worried about keeping everybody happy with giving DeAndre Jordan minutes. Agreed. Um, I, I've always been pretty high on Jared Allen, and to me it's pretty clear that he, he's the better center out of the two. They better um, not trade him. They better not. I mean, if, if they, you talk about making a move, cool, I'm fine with that. But if Jared Allen's gone, they're losing the, the one tough player that they have on the team. I agree with you. I, I think one of the things I am high on this team about is that they can just throw so many different lineups out there. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, like, and we've seen it over the last couple of weeks too. Um, they can go big with DeAndre Jordan or Jared Allen with Kevin Durant. They can go small with Kevin Durant at center. They can go um, even Jeff Green at center next to Kevin Durant. Like, they can throw a number of different looks at teams, which I think is crucial to win in today's NBA because you just have to adapt to so many different teams in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, Jared Allen is like I was saying, you know. Can they prove to be the a good enough defense to be the team to beat in the Eastern Conference? Do they have enough guys to kind of do the dirty work? Like, that's Jared Allen's MO. Um, and if you get rid of him, that's one less player, one of the few players that you already have that's willing to do those kind of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're gonna, I feel like this team is going to be talked about as a, a potential trade destination uh, between now and the trade deadline just because, one, the assets that they have, but, two, some of the players that have been linked to them, um, namely James Harden. And I don't know how realistic that is anymore. It's probably not going to happen. Um, but, but you're right. I think this team, there's going to be plenty of trade rumors heading into the trade deadline with this team, and you just hope that Jared Allen is not a part of them. Yeah, I, I really hope that they don't lose Jared Allen because I do feel like he could be the heart and soul of this team. All right, my team that I'm not sure about is the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, the last two years prior to this season, I've picked them to go to the NBA Finals. They burnt me. They embarrassed me. This year, I stayed away from them, even though I felt like they would have a better chance of making a run. And so far this season, they've uh, they've looked the part. They've looked really good. Uh, six and one as at the time of you know speaking to you right now and top of the Eastern Conference. I do expect them to have a top three seed in the East based off of what we've seen so far. I still have questions on the fit, you know, with this roster, but I don't have questions about Doc Rivers understanding that and figuring out a way or at least creating some scenarios where they can in real time in a playoff series figure that out. Uh, and I, I did have questions about Brett Brown doing that. I, I did have questions about, you know, Brett Brown making mistakes with, you know, the, the personnel they had. Um, I, always, I always will go back to the fact that this team had Jimmy Butler and could, <laughs> could have somehow kept him on the yeah. team. And that would have really solved a lot of their problems. It would have gave them the defender that they needed, uh, you know, alongside Ben Simmons, like a, a real safety and would have made them an over-the-top elite defensive team. And it would have gave them the closer that I think that this team is missing right now. And they're hoping that Tobias Harris, who's playing really well, could be that. 
but I don't think he is. It's not Ben Simmons because he, we know that his limitations offensively, and it's not so much of the fact that his lack of shooting, but I think the lack of his willingness to go to the free throw line really hurts them there. So he can't close games. Embiid, it, it's tough to ask a big man to close games. So it, you know his best performance is always going to be in the post, and that's so much easier to defend than when you have an open floor for everybody. So it's going to be on Tobias Harris to try and close games. And like I said, he's playing really good basketball right now, shooting the ball terrifically. But I, I am skeptical about, you know, when a game's on the line, the series is on the line, whether or not Tobias Harris is going to be the guy to rise up and get you a big bucket. Not not to discredit the regular season because it's, it, it is super important. But I do think they're kind of in the same um, boat as like the Milwaukee Bucks in that like, almost whatever they do this regular season people are going to take it with a pinch of salt because they know their limitations it's a similar thing um and the, the playoffs will be kind of the true test for them but i i do think you pointed to a couple things that kind of does make this team um significantly better than they were last season and could give them a shot in the eastern conference um one being that tobias harris is kind of looking like that player that he was um before the 76ers acquired him it's pretty clear who who the Tobias Harris whisperer I think is um, in Doc Rivers, and that's huge for them. Um, another thing is Joel Embiid has just hit the ground running. He looks like the you know the peak of his powers kind of thing. In particular, right. I, I mean I I've only caught a couple of their games, but I've seen a lot of Philly based people talking about how much better he's handling double teams and passing out of them. Um, and he he's talked about how, and this gets to the third point is that. This team is is just it makes more sense now. Like from top to bottom, they have players at multiple positions. They have shooters around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and he's talked about how like he's find a kind of refound his love for passing because he knows that when he does make a pass out of the double team, suddenly it's going to Seth Curry's hands, who's coming off of the screen and is going to be wide open, um, and he's one of the best three point shooters in the league. So I, I just think top to bottom, this team makes a lot more sense. Um, the players seem to be happier. They seem to be gelling more. Um, and at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're only as good as your, your best players. So if, if they can get Joel Embiid being the two-way monster that he has the potential to be and shown that he has in the past, um, I mean, that's going to put them in the right step, the, the step in the right direction. Because um, obviously, Joel Embiid is a top 10 player, a potential MVP candidate when, when he's at his best. Um, yeah. So if they can, if if Doc Rivers can kind of unlock him and Tobias Harris at the same time, uh, I mean, th- I'm like you. I, I was burned by them last season. I was right there with you and picking them to come out of the Eastern Conference. So I, I'm kind of wait and see it mode. But I do think that I, I, I'm I'm starting to talk myself into them again. So am I. And in the one thing, and I, the beginning of the season is hard because I think we tend to overreact to the very small sample size of basketball and not so much the numbers, uh, you know, because a lot of, you know, Tobias Harris do shoot in almost 50% from three-point range. I don't think we expect him to do that, you know, for an entire 72-game season. But I think we overreact to the the records. And, you know, I, I, we, we can do that with the Sixers who are now 6-1. and one. But for me, what I'm looking at, and you mentioned it, was that this team makes sense. And it makes sense in the sense that not only do they have guys, of course, the shooters around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but everybody seems to know their role. And it it seems Mm -hmm. like Doc Rivers has made that clear. And I don't think in years past, and this is no disrespect to Rep Brown, but I don't think in years past everyone was clear on their role. Even uh, you know, listening to Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick talk about that, Everyone's role was kind of up in the air, even in the middle knee deep of a game seven series against the Toronto Raptors. Things were being changed, uh, you know, at that moment that probably, you know, players were questioning. I don't think players will question why Doc Rivers puts you in a certain situation with this team. I think when he puts someone in a role, 
that player should feel like it makes sense, and then the team should also feel like it makes sense. And that's it's telling when Joel Embiid says that he's refound his love for passing. Is his assist numbers going to go sky high? I don't think so, but he is right. It, it's different, you know, throwing the ball out to Seth Curry and you know a, a willing shooter like Danny Green, who probably hasn't found a shot yet, but someone who we know can knock it down versus throwing it out there to Matisse Tybel, who's not you know known for shooting and and Ben Simmons who's definitely not interested in taking many threes so that is a that that is a telling sign and I, I do think that the Sixer team and not only the Sixer team but a lot of the teams in the NBA when you look at them in the early first month of the season if you can look at a team on league pass and say to yourself all right, everybody kind of knows their role in this team. Forget about the record for a second, but everybody knows that, all right, they're the first, secondary, third scorer. They're the top-line defender, everything else. Those are ten, Those tend to be the teams that are going to be around in the end of the regular season or, or even the end of the playoffs. Yeah, and that, and that was the problem with this Philly team last year, um, specifically the Al Holford signing. Like, I, yeah. I, you could talk yourself into that signing making sense because it's like you look at that Raptors series – um, the 76ers basically destroyed the Raptors when Embiid was on the was on the court, um, and they ran ran them off the court when he was on the bench. And suddenly, you add a starting caliber center who can replace those minutes and all that. Like you could talk yourself into it. At the end of the day, it didn't make sense fit wise. They couldn't play At with all. each other. Um, and you're right. I, this team just from top to bottom like makes a lot more sense now. Everyone understands their role. Um, and obviously, that I mean that's key for any team in the league. Um, so and that's why I was the Doc Rivers signing made it made a lot of sense for them. Um, and obviously, when they got Daryl Morey, you could see immediately that his uh, vision was to kind of build the similar team that Philly did a few years ago um, when they had that surprise run in the playoffs. When it was basically Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and shooters. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's a recipe that we knew worked back then. It's looking like it's working now, um, which is, which is great news for Philly, obviously. Yeah, a couple of other teams that I do think that uh, when I look at them, they seem to make sense on the court. I do like the Hawks. Uh, I know that they probably haven't yeah. got to the start that they wanted to. And I also, when Draymond has played, uh, you know, the Warriors do look like they start to make sense. Uh, and I'll add the Pelicans to that too. Those are three teams that stick out to me that I think everyone knows their role when they're healthy and on the floor. And regardless of the record, they'll be around when, uh, when, when things kind of settle down uh, from the start of the season. I think you can add the Clippers to that mix too. We, we talked about them a little bit sure. earlier. Um, they have a lot to prove, obviously, as a team that's never even been to the conference finals and everything like that. But I do I do think they're better than they were last season. I think Tyron Lue is the right coach for them. Um, they're another team where you know you replace Montrez Harrell with Serge Ibaka, who I think gives them more of what they need offensively and defensively. Luke Kennard, a guy off the bench who can kind of space the floor, do a little playmaking. And then Paul George returning back to the player that he was a couple years ago. Obviously, again, small sample size, but... Um, if he can kind of continue that, that's huge for them and takes them to another level. So I think the Clippers, to me, is another team that just kind of makes more sense than they than they were last season. Um, again, they're going to have to prove it. Same thing with the Sixers, but but you're right. As long as the pieces make sense, that goes a long way. I think I'm with you on the Clippers around Paul George and Kawhi Leonard being better than they were a year ago and making more sense because even Nick Batum's, Batum's playing better. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't – those two is I'm worried about because Paul George is playing incredible basketball, but it also factors in that Kawhi Leonard has gotten off to the slow – not the slow start, but hasn't been playing at the MVP level he was playing at the start of the season and all through last season, really. I think when Paul George is allowed to be the guy and has the confidence given to him by, you know, Ty Lue to go out there and perform at a high level, and he doesn't have to worry about, you know, sharing that spotlight with Kawhi Leonard, he's incredible. But the minute that he gets back into the Robin robe, 
uh, role. I, I do feel like he, he's kind of tentative and he, he doesn't play to the free basketball that we've seen him play, you know, seven, eight games into the NBA season. So I, I do want to see the dynamic between those two because I think Kawhi Leonard's best, you know, is best served when he has either a big that could be a sidekick or a, a, a point guard that could be a sidekick. And obviously that would happen in Toronto and in San Antonio. He played his best basketball when he had great guards around him that could get him the ball and were, weren't afraid to do that. And Paul George is a great guard, but they're, they're kind of the same player. And I don't think Kawhi Leonard works well when he has another guy that's exactly like him trying to do the same things that he wants to do. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that this is kind of year two for them. Um, but really, like, we haven't seen much of them on the court together because right. Paul George missed a bunch of time to start last season. Um, when he came back, Kawhi was kind of in and out of the lineup. And even right now, Kawhi suffered that that facial injury, um, and he hasn't quite been the same since, and he, he's gone off to a bit of a slow start. So, I, I mean, I think that's all fair. Um, I still bank on Kawhi being arguably the best player in the league when he's kind of firing all cylinders. Um, and when push comes to shove, that guy in the playoffs, it's going to be really hard to beat them. Um, I've never even really been a big Paul George guy, but um, if he can kind of return to the player and all, just even an all-star level, um, I, again, this team is one that burnt me last year, like the Sixers. But but I do I do kind of like where they're going right now. Fair. We'll we'll, we'll have a, a whole uh, seventy-two game season to talk about it. We're only two weeks into it, and plenty more basketball to be played. Defensively, they're going to be great. I'm with you on that. I just I'm worried about them and their fit offensively. We'll see if the uh, parts around them could be better check back with us next week right here on nba sound system live 3 p.m eastern time across the nba global networks we will be back in our regular schedule program it is 2021 it's basketball if you haven't already go and get nba league pass i I mean yes it sounds like an ad but i'm telling you the product is so good and 10 games tomorrow night scott 10 games tomorrow night how could Mm -hmm. you watch it you know on on one device you could even do it on two you could do it on two devices one on tv one on the second screen nba league pass is definitely the great late christmas gift if you haven't gotten one for uh for someone in your life for scott rafferty i am carlin gay we'll see you right back here next week nba sound system across the nba global networks enjoy the week folks